0: It's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? They can see it in my eyes. Hey,
1: what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of John's Untitled Podcast, a partner of MoshPitNation.com. My guest this week, and it's a good one. Is Laura Cashin of the band Sharptooth. If you are not familiar with Sharptooth, uh, you better get fucking acquainted pretty quickly. Uh, Sharptooth is a band on the rise very quickly, uh, I think, is going to become a band's band. Uh, they are getting ready to head out on the Census Fail tour, uh, and they have already done a tour with Anti Flag, and they will be on the entire Warp Tour. Uh, interestingly enough, about the Warp Tour, Connection. I had posted on my Facebook page uh, asking, you know, if I was able to get a media pass for this this last year of Warp Tour, uh, who would people like me to see interview, even if it's you know for a couple minutes here and there. And someone had mentioned to get someone from Sharp Tooth, uh, which was an easy accommodation since in the Every Time I Die Facebook group that I'm a part of, uh, Lauren is in the group as well, and getting a lot of recognition for just everything that the band is is achieving right now, and rightfully so. And so I reached out to her and. We made this happen. The funny thing, though, that ended up happening as a result of doing this conversation was I was a little bit apprehensive uh, about coming across very cliche. You know, when you have a female on the podcast as myself being a man, Uh, I I like having women on the podcast. I wish I could get more female guests on the podcast because I think it's great to have a completely different kind of conversation that I can't have with other men sometimes Um, just to get a completely different viewpoint on different things um i think it's it's one of the many things that i enjoy about doing this podcast is just learning about things from someone else's perspective and even in this conversation i end up talking with lauren you know there are things about growing up in the hardcore and heavy metal scene and, and just music in general that obviously i won't ever understand because i didn't grow up going to these things and experiencing experiencing these things as a female so there's just things like that that make uh, having conversations with someone like Lauren very very fun and interesting, but also kind of daunting because, you know, the interviews that this person has done, I, I don't want to, again, use the exact same questions. I don't want to beat down the whole thing of, like, what's it like being a female in a hardcore band? Hmm. Because that's played out. Um, and it, it really shouldn't fucking matter because, I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's while it's not the same... A lot of the experiences are the same. You're in a cramped van. You're, you know, dealing with a lot of shit on the road and so on and so forth. But this was just a really fun chat, uh, mainly because we went all over the fucking place and I loved it. Um, And actually, this was kind of a a really fun thing because in the last handful of weeks, I've had time off of work just due to a lack of work. So I've been able to like really bang out a lot of podcasts in a very short amount of time. And what's interesting is when I did this one, this was at like the crux of like me having talked to Doc Coyle the day before and feeling like, man, I, I don't think that one went very well. Um, I, <laughs> I think Doc obviously shows why he's uh, really good at his podcast and why he's just a very well-spoken, well-informed individual. Um, but with that episode, we ended up kind of deviating a little bit and talking about some other shit that wasn't necessarily related, per se, to what we were doing, but uh, kind of I had the fun going down that tangent. And so with this, like, I had questions in mind for Lauren, but we just started going off on, uh, as you'll hear, just (laughs) something that happened with the Skype call, and that led to an interesting thing. And then, you know, just talking about various shit uh, while then also getting back into some serious issues. Um, To me, this is basically the catalyst of, of what I've been trying to do with the the handful of episodes I've done since this specific conversation I had with Lauren. And I just, you know, I had a lot of fun. And I think uh, it's it's a really good chat. And I think it's informative and, f- you know, just, it's fun. <laughs> I can't I can't really think of another way to describe it. Um, you know, she was saying that, you know, while her band's music is very serious, the band is very goofy and, and likes to have fun. And I think it's really refreshing to see somebody see a collection of people, actually, kind of taking that approach. Um, And as you'll hear, you'll hear some of the band uh, games that they like to play, and uh, maybe if you see them, you can follow suit and uh, play some of these games with them and and get to know the band a little bit more, and they can, in turn, get to know you. But this is kind of a a little bit of a longer chat, so I'm going to uh, stop boring you with my bullshit, and we're going to get right into the conversation with Laura Cashin of Sharptooth.
2: just happened. I
1: don't know either but I do have to say in the few times I try calling the other page my new favorite thing now because I just noticed the emoji thingy that goes with it is the sound when something goes wrong on Skype it just goes oh and it's followed by a woman trying to swing at a a uh, tennis ball and missing to follow to complete with the noise so it's just like an ultimate fail all the way across the board like oh although it is kind of sexist that it has to be a woman like I think it'd be kind of funny if it was like
2: that's what I just thought too I was like (laughs) Why is it got it? Why why is it got to be the woman who's having some time? I don't know. Bullshit.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of weird shit like that that I've noticed that is oddly sexist, like where you're just like, wait a minute, why is this this way?
2: Yeah, and it's like once you basically kind of like have to not to overuse like the word woke or whatever, but once you're kind of like woke to the fact that like you know like institutionalized racism and sexism are problems, you will notice like very subtle things like that all the fucking time. All right, so I have the pleasure this afternoon
1: of talking with Laura Cashin, or Laura Kashan, or oh no, God, <laughs> uh, vocalist of Sharptooth and uh, seemingly all-around uh, animal lover. So I always love talking to people who love animals. How are you doing this afternoon?
2: I'm good. I'm tired, but I'm good.
1: <laughs> well, we're about to get woke as fuck on this podcast. So
2: hell yes, I love it. <laughs>
1: Um, speaking of being woke, uh, I'm going to start off with a lyric thing that I noticed on your newest, uh, album, Clever Girl.
0: Okay. So,
1: something that I kind of liked was the, the lyrical bookends you put onto it with the way Rude Awakening starts to pushing, oh, am I, you make it seem like I'm the first person that maybe noticed this.
2: No, but I get so excited when people do. Okay, <laughs> because awesome. I'm like, oh, first of all, you listen to the whole thing. Yes. Which, like, I know people have done, but, you know, it's it's the kind of thing where, like, you know, that's something that I would get so excited about when I'd hear, like, artists that I love doing it. Like, tying songs into one another, having, like, common threads or recurring themes in an album. And, like, I also love, like, concept albums, too. So, I was so thrilled to have the opportunity to do something like that and so when people pick like when people mention it I just get so giddy
1: (laughs) so I guess like a first question is obviously you just kind of answered a little bit that it was something that you were definitely that you like in being a fan of music yourself oh yeah when when okay like I guess let's go into a little bit about your writing style do you write just in general and kind of fit it to the music or do you take in the music and kind of write to what you're hearing or is it a little of both
2: so i i write i'm i write a lot um i have like a journal that i write in almost every day i write poetry constantly but songwriting is a very separate thing for me from both of them okay um the way that the songwriting process general generally works for me is we have like a giant we have like a google drive okay with all of, so Lance will write Instrumental tracks, like pretty much constantly He's just churning stuff out and sending it to me And I throw it into this Google Drive And then a lot of times um, So like recently for this second album I had this Google Drive with There's about 17 instrumental potential Sharptooth tracks that are written Front to back, have drums, have everything Because um, Lance Plays fucking everything, so he just Records it all himself And I will basically just play Those over and over in my car And, like, see if I have, A, concept ideas that vibe with the vibe of the song. Mm -hmm. And then I usually will, will, like, tag a specific song with a specific concept. And then when I, like, just, like, later when I have ideas for that concept, I go back to the song. And I add a lyric. And I add a lyric. And I take stuff out and move stuff around and I will sometimes take stuff from my poem, take like a line from like a poem that I wrote and then put that into a song. I, uh, the single from clever girl, the title track, clever girl, um, the bridge Uh and the namesake for the song. So the, the bridge says clever girl does not forget. My mouth is dry. Your blood is wet. That's a song lyric that I wrote about 10 years ago. Um, for another band that I was in, but like it was like a defunct band, and totally like was never. It was a song that was never recorded or anything. So when I was writing, when I first started coming up with the concept for Clever Girl, that was like I remembered that lyric and was like that's that's the key thing. That's the key thing to tie this whole song together and to create like the whole concept because um, I knew I wanted it to be a song that was like basically tells the patriarchy to go fuck itself and is, like, about, like, destroying that and dismantling it. And I was like, you know, we're Sharptooth. We're a dinosaur-themed band. Like, what's another dinosaur theme like, thing? Oh, Velociraptors in Jurassic Park. The Velociraptors in Jurassic Park are all female and they're just, they're fucking up these greedy humans who thought that they could control nature. (laughs) And, like, it just worked. It all, like, fell into place and that song, like... I basically like word vomited that song in like an afternoon and so, that almost never happens. But
1: so was the sample, was that actually from Jurassic world?
2: That was from Jurassic park. Okay. Jurassic- I, I've been,
1: you know, here's the weird thing I was trying. I like the, everything sounded so familiar, but like I just couldn't place the quote. And oddly enough, the, the, the first thing that came to my head was actually, uh, around the dance, uh, scene in Buffy, the vampire slayer, in the movie, I really? It, that was because I, I it sounded That's almost funny. It almost sounded like uh Rutger Hauer. And so I just got like kept, it was like racking my brain. I was like, where the fuck is this quote from? So interesting oh, yeah. to know that you carried the you carry the the concept and the theme all the way even into the the, the quote that you used.
2: Oh yeah. And I mean like it's it's in the artwork, obviously, like the artwork is for the record is Velociraptors. I so Sharptooth base and this record basically were my excuse to self-actualize the fact that I just want to be a Velociraptor. And uh, <laughs> so that's uh that this was my opportunity of doing that. I um it's funny because like sometimes people won't know what Sharptooth is from either. And I'm like, no, literally my whole band is just 90s dinosaur references, and it probably i'm hoping it will be forever <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah my uh my old band the one band i was actually in and joined because the only reason i joined was because i had a sweet like basically i looked like i could have belonged in like uh blessed by a broken heart basically uh, <laughs> if you remember that band um but Ooh, it was like a it. sweet like a uh, comb over thing into like a ratty tail mullet bullshit and then I, oh, wow. I drank a shitload of uh I drank a shitload of my eventual singer's uh, whiskey coke pitcher at this bar in Western Michigan on Western's campus, this shitty bar that did, like, Pitcher You Calls for 675. And Mm -hmm. uh, I drank it all, and so the dude was like, well, you look like you play an instrument, so come to band practice. And then I just became the bass player uh literally no tryout and didn't hear anything and literally the day i showed up they made me play a show and i was like what the fuck is this Uh, i kind of
2: did that to our bass player
1: (laughs) (laughs) i guess it's a bass player thing because literally they were just like it's open notes you're good i was like what the fuck
2: our bass bass player was uh the guitarist for another band and uh i basically told him that he was our bass player (laughs) he's my he's like my best friend so i was like phil Play bass. You're gonna you're gonna play bass for Sharp, too. I hope
1: that's fine. Yeah, our band name was Enormosaurus.
2: Enormosaurus. Yeah. <gasps> I love that.
1: <laughs> so that's we we kind of ran with uh our the one T-shirt that we ended up making during like the big hot topic everything was like pink and neon colors was uh basically like almost like a Barney-esque type body on the shirt and your arms were like where where the arms come out and so forth.
2: Holy shit! I that's wish so I still
1: funny. had one, but.
2: That's funny as shit.
1: So you guys when I kind of saw all the dinosaur stuff it kind of like brought back like memories of like packing into a van and driving ten and a half hours to go play in Tennessee for nobody.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, <in> the dream. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. And this is before we had internet on our phones and shit, so I didn't have anything to do. I had my iPod <laughs> mini.
2: <laughs> I can't imagine what touring must have been like before the internet. I it was it was. It was terrible.
1: At all. I don't know how people did it slightly even before that, because <laughs> at least like we had like sort of iPods and shit, and that seemed like it would be a more at least more fun to to escape. But yeah. and portable DVD players were a thing. But god damn, I can't imagine doing it before all of that shit existed, where you actually yeah. had to like communicate. And hang- no, no wonder people broke up <laughs> after an right? album. it'd be like, we did a tour. Fuck you, dude. Like you smell what? and. <laughs> The van smells like farts.
2: (laughs) Well, that I mean that that's a a theme that'll that's something that'll always be a part of (laughs) the (laughs) tour. Febreze. yeah, my uh, my band actually we it's funny we like talk and hang out a lot. Our thing is like we'll play like get to know you games, which like it's hard to play get to know you games when you've played them like for like seven tours in a row you're like we already know everyone in the band who's done anal like next please like, and we get into like the weird shit so our latest one has been something called the voting game okay and you have to uh so you read a question and then everybody votes on who the most likely person is in the band so like my and like one of them's kind of become my icebreaker um just in social situations, because I'm a weirdo. <laughs> so the question is, who would drink their own piss for the least amount of money? Ooh. And so I don't know if it's I sometimes it's me. It depends on how broke everyone else. In I, the was, I was going to
1: say there's so many variables to that, though, because it's like, there how are. broke are you?
2: but we streamlined it and like so you can always ask it at like at different times because that might change but like we streamlined the question to be what's the least amount of money you would drink a shot glass of your own piss for and i'm i hold study at 75. dollars um, wow
1: my yeah. fuck it would, then i would i would have been voted for this cuz i was like i'd probably do it for 20 bucks
2: there you go hey <laughs> well like it's so funny cuz you like you find out some weird shit about people. So like, yeah, mine's like 75. I'm not like the most in the band by any stretch. Like Lance was like a thousand dollars. I'm like, really? Why? I'm like, you find out people have different standards for different weird shit. And then there's like other ones, like who, uh, who in the, who has the most in common with Hitler, um, is another good one
1: i uh it's fun (laughs) i feel like i feel like we're like in a like the deleted scene of like stepbrothers here because like a friend of mine and i like we used to like my best friend that i've known for like 20 some odd years um we he made the joke like somehow we got on this thing same thing like you just ask random ass questions and shit like because you know you know each other for so long and you're just trying to like find a way to like as he said one day uh as i sent him a a Text to try to get a joke, and he go, I go, and then I just rang that joke for all its worth. And then I go, why do I feel the need to send you this? shit? he goes, because we've been trying to find any way to squeeze a laugh out of each other for like twenty-two years. And I was like, yeah, that's true. But the thing that he was like, someone was like, got posed the question, like, how much would you, how much would it cost for you to suck a dick? And then like, someone was like, million dollars. I go, I bet I could suck a million dicks for a dollar each and get through the million dollars faster than you can find the one person willing to pay you a million to suck it. And then, like, they were like, "Would you really do that?" I was like, "I don't know. Maybe I just came up with like the easiest way to make a million fucking dollars—a
2: dollar a dick."
1: I guess I, mean, I don't know. But then someone's like, "Why wouldn't you do like five dollars?" And like, kind of like get going. I was like, "Again, I—I feel like I feel like I could find more people at a dollar a piece than I could that to, as I keep going monetarily in increments."
2: Well, but then here's the question: Like, what constitutes a dick sucking? Are you sucking? Are you sucking to climax? I don't know. That's, that's, that's in the mouth for a, I don't, I don't know.
1: Cause like, to me, it's like, that was like the, where the, the, (laughs) that's where like going to the million dollars to suck someone's dick came to. Cause it's like, okay, no pun intended. Uh, that at that point it's like, you're literally probably for a million dollars. Like the dude's going to expect you to like, you're like, you're going to get that come in your mouth. Like for a million bucks. Like I better be able to like, you're not pulling out. You're not spitting. Like you're taking it all.
2: I wish I wish I got a million dollars every time someone came to my mouth. I'll tell you that right fucking now. I'm sure most women probably would feel that way. I, I would be a wealthy woman. Uh, that's
1: fucking hilarious. So, I don't know. That that usually turns into the debate of, like, well, I guess maybe at that point I'd be definitely selling myself short And I would probably like, cause then that's going to take longer. Like literally if I was just like, I'm going to suck a dick for a dollar, then it's like, I'll get you going. It'll be like, I don't like being a fluffer. But then I was like, well, how much do fluffers make? Cause I'm sure they make more than a dollar for like doing that. So at that point I need to figure out like what the, the cost thing. And then it just gets really convoluted and weird. Cause we go down weird rabbit holes of like, well, how much does a fluffer make? And can you like, what do you have to do to be able to get into that profession?
2: And, uh, and this is just why we need to legalize sex work because – Well, actually, I just saw – Then we'll have some more standardized answers to all of our questions.
1: Well, I did see that there is a – this is how weird – I love this podcast already, like just how weird it is. I do
2: too. A TMI uh, till I die. Yeah, for I'm sure. Here. So
1: I was uh, – I follow this, uh, this really awesome and really well-educated uh, stripper and sex educator out of Portland – uh, her Instagram handle is stripper writer, and she has a podcast called Unzipped PDX, um, and her and another stripper basically talk a lot about sex education and, and so forth, and uh, mm-hmm. I've actually, I want to get her on this podcast, but she has her own, so I figure it's probably not going to happen, but uh, she, someone commented, like she posted a thing that someone made like a watercolor of her vulva, and she made a big thing about being like, this isn't my vagina, my vagina is internal, this is my vulva, and so on and so forth, and you know correct terminology, And someone commented, they're like, oh, this just makes me want to have a watercolor of my own, so on and so forth. And the name, the username, which I can't remember it off the top of my head, like sounded really interesting. And like, so I clicked on it and apparently she is a a sex worker at a legal brothel from what it looked like. And so she was basically to help get signatures and such for a law to kind of legalize and and decriminalize sex work, like in that, wherever state she's in, she was like, if you fill out this form to the local Senate or Congress and send me the screenshots that, you know, you follow through with everything and it and your, your vote basically went toward the signature went on. I'll send you like a, like a a video. And I was like, that's, "That's," I was like, that's kind of awesome. And I was like, even though it's kind of totally taking advantage of like perverty dudes, but I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like if it's,
2: you can, if I mean, you can
1: do it and you can kind of make the change that you want to see, like then fuck it. Why not do that?
2: Well, that's an ex- it's just it. And I know that's a really like extreme, extreme sense, just,
0: but still. I don't think
2: it's taking advantage. It's saying like, hey. This is something I want. I'll exchange it for something that you want. There you go.
0: And
1: then, like, but the weird fucked up thing is, is like, I, like I said, I kind of had like a weird hang up where I was like, that's kind of like, I feel like that's kind of using. And then I was like thinking about it. I go, how is it any more using than the fucking government or anybody else? Like passing bullshit where it's like, where it'll be like, do you like the color red? Do you also love murdering children? Then vote yes for this. And you're like, well, I do like red, but I don't like the other thing. So.
2: Well, and at the I end don't... of the day, I mean, it's their choice. Like yeah. they can choose whether or not to sign the thing. It's like. It's not like they're being strong-armed into it, like, you know.
1: Yeah. But, or uh, being like, oh,
2: you watched this video, so you have to sign it. Yeah. That would be fucked
1: up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It'd be like some Black Mirror yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah,
2: Exactly. Yeah. So that would be fucked. But, um,
1: but yeah, so speaking of, well, no, nah, it's not a good segue. There's really no good segue there, so I'm not going to even try.
2: <laughs> sex work, and that's fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so kind of, I guess, more to speaking your own voice and speaking your mind and being free about that. There it is. Um, there you go. So, you know, and kind of listening to the, the new album quite a bit, and you know, even the, I think it was a one-off kind of single, is it Fuck You, Trump, or just Fuck Trump? I don't remember which exactly. Fuck
2: You, Donald Trump. Fuck You,
1: Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, you know, obviously, you are very outwardly spoken in, in your message messages. Um, and something I've always loved about hardcore and I think something that kind of really got me into hardcore as a, as a genre was just like the ability that, you know, the everyday person can kind of speak their voice and and had the platform and you know, like, you know, as cliche as it is, like, you know, thinking of the hardcore t-shirts where it's got like the fucking, you know, a big powerful message on it with like a live shot, like the classic hardcore merch thing, you know, it's like, I, what about hardcore kind of, like, how did you get into the the scene and, and kind of, you know, especially as a woman, because quick side story before I finish asking this question. So my wife and I just went out to L.A. to go see 18 Visions. And while we got to the venue, Martyr AD was playing. And it was interesting because, like, as soon as we got in, like, the door basically puts you basically right onto, at the rocks. I don't know if you've ever been. Puts you right on the, like, right on the floor. So it's like wow. we get in. There's, like, a, like a beatdown part going on. And, like, the floor is just, like everyone's, like, flailing about and shit like that. And there's, like, you know, a couple of girls in the pit just, like, tearing it up. And at first, I wanted to be, like, oh, shit, like, you know, kind of mode is to, like, kind of be, like, protector and, like, okay, like, God protect myself, protect people I'm with, make sure people around me, like, you know, whatever. But then it was – I had this, like, weird sense of, like, calm where I was, like, this is, like, the environment I grew up in, like, going to hardcore shows, and so did my wife. So it's, like, I was, like, I don't have to worry about her. And, like, this is the environment, like, we both kind of mutually, you know, connected over – and so what's interesting to me and thinking about it is just, like, that sense of camaraderie and, like, everyone's – typically everyone's welcome and so forth. So I always kind of like hearing stories about – especially women – about how they got into a, a genre that outsiders deem very violent and very male-centric.
2: Well, it is. It is. It is both of those things. Like, even, like, from an insider thing, that is – hardcore is definitely a hyper-masculine, violent, aggressive – um place but those same things were kind of what drew me to it because you know especially as a woman there aren't society stigmatizes the shit out of women expressing anger um we're pretty much obligated at all times to be like thoughtful and considerate and like thinking about everybody else's feelings and (laughs) like you know and if you there's like specific words for like angry for like angry women there's like entire tropes dedicated to like angry women it's like oh she's a bitch like she's like a like a tiger mother like she's a dragon lady it's like there's literally <laughs> like phrases for women who are fucking angry please find me those same phrases to describe male anger spoiler alert they don't exist because it's societally acceptable <laughs> for men to express and emote anger. Um, Unfortunately, that's one of the only things that's societally acceptable for men to express and emote. (laughs) So it's like, we're all fucked by the patriarchy. Ta-da! And uh, (laughs) so I got into, I got into, like, punk music before I got into, like, hardcore. So I went to art school, and it's basically, like, a requirement, um... For you to go to punk shows in order to like stay enrolled basically so <laughs> like so like i was there as a voice major and so i studied opera and musical theater but i loved i loved all different kinds of music and even though like my background was in like show tunes and everything um i was listening to bands like fallout boy and like taking back sunday in high school and then in the local baltimore scene my friends were also like starting bands of their own like, punk bands and indie bands and, like, just basically, like, very counterculture-type musicians. And so that was an environment that I was very comfortable in. And I didn't get super into hardcore right away. Honestly, be probably I probably could have fucking used it at a much earlier age than I got into it. Because I would hear shit like people joking around saying things like no clit in the pit. And that wasn't something that people were saying to me at the punk and indie shows when I'd want to, when I'd want to mosh, like I was welcome there. And I just remember having friends who would like talk about like going to like the Dillinger escape plan show or like the diamond youth show and like, Oh no, clit in the pit Ugh. like, and I'm like, okay, you're fucking cool guess like i'm clearly not welcome there so i'm not gonna insert myself even though i was starting to get into heavier bands like by the end of high school like from first to last and atreyu and like he's legend i loved, loved he is legend and uh i went to like my first like my first like heavy show was like the 2005 warp tour because i'd been going to i'd been going to like other shows like before that uh baltimore and Towson, where like I went to high school, had a, a great music scene and a great local venue that like all the, the big tours came through. It was called the, the Record Theater. And but I didn't go to my first like heavy sh- like watch a heavy, heavy band until yeah, Atreyu at Warp Tour 2005. Um, and I got into a fight. <laughs> <laughs> Some guy kept so I'm like, it's funny because like I was very used to like. Like at art at the shows I would go to hardcore dancing was a thing, even though it wasn't like hardcore shows I was going to, like you weren't trying to hurt people. You were dancing and you were just enjoying yourself. And this one guy at the fucking Warp tour that I was at. So I'm like two stepping and this guy keeps coming up and shoving me. And I'm like, don't fucking touch me. And, uh, he did it like three times and three strikes. You're out. And I broke his nose. So if you're out there, buddy, um, I'm sorry that 16 year old me broke your nose. Um,
1: I think it's fine. I uh,
2: asked <laughs> <kicked my ass. laughs> 10 years later, and my my fucking nose is broken too. So I got I actually got like into like hardcore and like the hardcore scene um, after high school. Um, long story short, I lived in a cult for a year. Don't really want to go down that road right now, just because it's a lot. Uh, <laughs> But I lived in a cult for a year and when I got out I had a lot of like bottled up feelings that I didn't know what to do with because I just spent a year of my life um, in a really traumatic situation where I felt like I couldn't talk to anybody about what had happened to me and I felt crazy and I felt alone and a guy that I was dating at the time... Um, was like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to see every time I die. Uh, do you want to go? And I was like, yeah, I've listened to that band. Like, sure. Like I'll go. It'll be fun. And, uh, so my, my first like actual, like hardcore show was every time I die, stick to your guns in the Bronx. Um, this was in like 2008 and like 2000. Yeah, I think it was 2008. So it was 10 years ago and I showed up and like, There's such a big difference between like hearing the music in your headphones or in your car and then being at a place where there's just this this controlled chaos kind of like you were explaining you just you there you just walk out and you're on the floor kind of like the Roxy like you were saying. Yeah. And uh, I just walked in and it was almost like all of the screaming in my head fucking stopped because suddenly it wasn't inside me it was everywhere and it was okay and i that was like the first time in over a year that i felt like okay and i felt like i was somewhere that i belonged mm-hmm. and i immediately like just like ran into the pit and nobody and now for the first fucking time nobody was telling me like no clint in the pit like everyone there was like super supportive and cool and picking everybody up and like like was doing cool shit in there and i felt like i felt like i was a part of something and it was, like, from that minute on, I was, like, addicted to it. Like, I had never been addicted to anything else. And uh, so, yeah, hardcore became my my drugs and my religion. And so that's kind of – that's how all of that started. And now I'm about to play Warp Tour with them, and life is weird. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's kind of – it's, you know, because it's, it's super cliche to be like, oh, you're a – female-fronted hardcore band, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, I think about my time and the years that I've spent, like, in the in the scene, either, you know, because what's interesting to me is, like, I've, I don't know if it's just because, you know, having Walls of Jericho be, you know, a Michigan band from Detroit and, like, seeing mm-hmm. them and, like, having that be a constant presence, like, almost like the, the beacon for, like, this is what some of the hardcore bands can, the level they can get to. And it's like, yeah. well, I mean, I, I don't remember her name off the top of my head, but...
2: I think it's Can- I think I think, Candice. Yeah,
1: is- I think it's Candace, yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's like, you know, you had, you know, Candice from Walls of Jericho. And then it's like when I lived in Lansing, you know, a lot of the, the bigger bands that we had locally were all fronted by women. Women like were predominantly in the crowd. So it's like, to me, really? a lot of my show going experiences from an early age going on, like it was women were a ever present and and not excluded but included in everything to even like you know when I got into you know bands like most precious blood it's like you know you got Rachel the guitar player and it's like mm-hmm. you know like so a lot of the things that I saw like it always seemed like it was very inclusive and, and it was a bigger very just very much that very inclusive so I always find it kind of interesting when I hear that it it's not that way for everybody because it's it's and I don't know if it's just a geographical thing or if it's like i'm in a weird anomaly where what i experienced was not the norm for most everybody else
2: yes what you experienced is definitively not the norm uh i think part of it was so you said that you're like you're like two years older than me so and that wave of bands i didn't get into and didn't know about like at all it was like just before my time i my wave of bands was like the taking back sundays and every time I die, right? And like those bands, and there were the only woman in any of those bands. Um, even when you start getting into like the the later 2000s when you when metalcore was like the big thing,
0: right? Um, uh,
2: the only women were Haley from Paramore, yep, and um, I wrestled a bear once. I was actually uh, going
1: to mention her, yeah. I don't know she was her a name, sweet- well, uh. I think but even like... that was
2: like thrashy grindcore. Like, wasn't it... they were they were even they were kind of like considered fringe, um, even though they were like playing Warped Tour and everything. It was they were. I re- I just remember watching them at Warped Tour, and she's wearing she was wearing like a Furby suit, and <laughs> it just really. I had nothing against like the band or like her vocals or anything, but just like, that wasn't what I came to hardcore for. And that wasn't what I came to metal for. I came for a place where I could express these intense feelings and feel validated in them. And the fact that like the only girl doing any of this is just drunk on stage in a Furby suit. I'm like, uh, I, that just didn't relate to that at all. That wasn't what I wanted or needed from the music. Um, so, yeah, like, I know it's funny because, like, people, like, maybe, like, two or three years older than me, they always bring up Walls of Jericho, and I had, I never listened to them. Well, I actually I, didn't even know who they were.
1: No, the other one, too, though, is, like, around that, like, metalcore movement, though. Like, you know, you for me, like, I remember, and granted, maybe being into, like, Revolver and stuff like that and then pushing the sexuality of everything on, onto its male centric readers but it's like you know i became very aware of bands like you know with angela from uh arch enemy and you had you know the different singers in like nightwish and so on and so forth that it always seems like there was a a, a growing presence of women whether it be musicians or singers and in, in this you know heavy realm but I don't know. I just, I always try to like, I always like to try to gain perspective of something that I obviously can never experience. So like, I like asking my wife about these things and she's things. And she's always like, you know, I remember, you know, people being really interested in this band circle takes a square because they had like two vocalists, one of which was a female. And then the other one was like a dude. And she was like, Oh, I never really liked them. But like, I saw them a ton and so on and so forth. So it's, it's always interesting yeah. to kind of.
2: I didn't know that there was a woman in that band.
1: I didn't either until she told me, cause I never saw them but
2: yeah I haven't either <laughs>
1: but it's always I just like I said I always like trying to gain perspective that obviously I can't have um sure so I mean to me it's always interesting having these conversations and just being like okay like we're roughly the same age like what do, what was your experience plus I grew up in the midwest you grew up out east so yeah I mean in yeah, my time, good
2: well I was just gonna say and there was there is also a very distinct difference between like the more metal like seen not metalcore, metal core but metal right metal would have more women in it um and it was i mean i'm sure that they faced that they were still facing a whole lot of bullshit but like again like bands like arch like i don't even think it was arch enemy that i'm thinking of Are you but thinking there were like uh... a lot like otep bands yeah. like otep and like that kind of thing like that was a thing but there were no it's like the difference between the people who were reading like more metal magazines like revolver Mm -hmm. and then my people who were reading ap
1: right good point so
2: yeah and uh so metal there were more women over in metal but not in not in hardcore and not in metalcore um which i guess is like where like sharp tooth comes in (laughs) so so
1: kind of bringing it back to bring it all the way back to to your band uh, what was kind of interesting to me is hearing, I don't know if, like, the, I just love the, for me, I love the fact that you guys are kind of all over, and I hear, like, to me, it's like I hear some, like, comeback, you influences for me, I hear, uh, yep. there's actually, like, the intro to, I can't remember this, I always, do... I'm really bad about this, too, because since I'm not technically allowed to have my phone on me, I leave my phone in my pocket, so I can't hear, I don't get to see what song titles are, um, mm-hmm. so I just throw something on a loop, and it's like, okay, I think this is the beginning of track, the album and this is the end and this is where it repeats um but i think it's like track... you tell
2: me the words i can tell you the song <laughs>
1: it's a- it's not the words for the example i'm gonna make it's actually i think it's track six or seven uh but it has a very afi kind of like tone to it to start and then it kind of goes into more of like a like a sort of like punky like pop punk kind of beat to it
2: yeah it's rise
1: yeah like it kind of has like yep. an afi kind of vibe to it. like you know december underground sing the sorrow you kind of vibe like just the note phrasings to me and like, there's just, it's interesting to me, like how kind of all over the spectrum of different styles and genres and music and how well you're easily able to marry it. How long yeah. did it kind of take you all to collectively figure out how to do that?
2: Um, That's a Lance question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. He, I mean, he writes like the, the instrumentals and then basically like to go back to like the songwriting process, he'll, will once I start fleshing out lyrics for a song, and we're like, okay, this is definitely a thing we're gonna do, um, we bring it to the band, and they will take it and like make their parts their own, and then we can create something that's cohesive and everybody's. So like it's, and then it's also interesting because like when you like you hear that song and you associate it, you're like, oh, AFI, I go, I think the ghost inside. I like that song to me. I always describe that song and it's not that I don't think it's a good song. It's not my favorite song on the record. I think instrumentally it's incredible. I wasn't happy. I wasn't as happy with my lyrics for it as I was for the other songs, just because I feel like I could have gone further. I could have done more. Um, But I tell people I'm like, yeah, it's a really good, the ghost inside song. (laughs) Like that's, that's how that song like seems to me. Like,
1: I think maybe that's just a, a difference in, I mean, even though we're not like tremendously different in age to me, like the ghost inside was never really a band. I mean, I've been getting into them more recently, but it was never a band that I felt was like my band. I, I like felt like the the mm-hmm. kids who are under like a few years younger than me, that's, that's their era of bands. And yes, to me, that itself, was
2: certainly awesome. my era of bands, yeah. like the ghost inside, um, like melodic hardcore bands like that. Like, you, like, you mentioned Comeback Kid. Like, Comeback Kid's a big one for me. Um, but, yeah, bands like The Ghost Inside, um, 100th when they were actually a fucking hardcore band. Well, um, I, still, I love that new 100th record. I'm happy for you. It's like Stick Your Guns and, like, that yeah. kind of thing. Counterparts. Was, but
1: we got to watch, my wife and I got to watch 100th from stage. And mm-hmm. it was really interesting to see people watch, because they were the decidedly not heavy band on, on those two stages between the mutant stages because they got on the tour before they put out the new record. And so it Uh, was interesting to watch people just kind of be like, when's the, when's the heavy shit going to happen? And then about three songs in the band or all the fans kind of realizing that it it wasn't going to be a heavy band and just to kind of accept it for what it was and have fun. And that's a really weird thing to be able to see from the band's perspective because I don't think a lot of people get to see what it's like from your perspective on stage. Like, mm-hmm. and then you know I'm sure you can attest to that. Like, you know, you're getting ready to do this Census fail tour, and there's probably going to be a lot of people who don't know who you are. So every night you're going to kind of try to win people over.
2: Oh, and, I mean, where that's that's been. I mean, we just did that tour with Anti Flag and no, and like where that was going to mention that band too. Having yeah. uh, so like, uh, that's kind of like our mo. We're very used to that. Like that's our. We're we're A used to being sort of I don't know if it's because like we're a woman like a like a band with women in it, but a lot of times when we first started out, we were getting put on a lot of bills that were not heavy at all. Um, I guess solely people because solely because that. That there's a woman in it, that it's not gonna be a heavy band. And uh I literally opened our set one night with we're sharp tooth and I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> Cause I was just like, I just knew the people there were just not prepared to have me scream at them for half an hour, which is what I do. So, um, yeah, no, we're our favorite thing. We call it the room flip is watching people see us like get on stage and be, and like have all the preconceived notions that they have when they see me like plugging in the microphone And then seeing their reactions when we start and then having them be totally fucking on board by the end of the set. Like that's the coolest fucking thing to me is that it's, we call it the room flip, just watching the whole audience go, Oh, Oh, this is going to be this. Wait, what the fuck is happening? Yo, we're about it. Like it's (laughs) It's so gratifying because like, yeah, we want, we want to bring people in. We want to make it a universal experience and we want to we there's something for everybody i think in each set so we try to make that pretty apparent
1: something i wondered uh in listening to and i'm actually gonna not try to do the. it's i think it's track whatever um i'm gonna i'm gonna assume based on the song title it's gotta be can i get a hell no and the only reason i think it's that song is because i know there's a jesus uh the jesus loves you has like the weird scriptury thing in the beginning so i'm assuming since I do know where roughly that song was in my head. That <laughs> it's got to be that song. Um, I've, I've kind of wondered as I was listening to it and the obvious message in it. And I, I not to take, to make light of this, but I kind of laughed when I heard, like when I actually was able to understand all the lyrics, because I was like, fuck, this is shit my wife says. And all of my, my wife's friends and all the lady friends I have. Cause like, I'm yeah. t- like typically like, I'm the dude that goes out with my wife and like all of her coworkers. like I don't really hang out with a whole lot of dudes and I never really have and so it's <laughs> always kind of funny like I know how shitty dudes can be and like I see how shitty like my friends my guy friends can be so like I'm not immune to it and so like when I heard the song I just kind of laughed I was like this is shit I've been hearing for so fucking long yeah. and I'm just like and I and I was like I wonder how a like Hey, people write it off because like, oh, this is so cliche. Like, of course a woman's gonna like write a hardcore song about this. But then the the more kind of like, but it ab- hasn't
2: been written yet. I know, <laughs> and that was
1: that was my thing. It's like, I've never heard anyone say this, and it's like it, it may be cliche, like it, but it's like how like no one fucking says it. So how can it be cliche when it's not been done? Secondly, I wonder how many fucking people may even like sing, you know, listen to these lyrics or whatever, or hear the song, like you know, when you they're seeing you, and then will come to you. And be like, man, you know, for a for a chick fronted hardcore band, like you were really good. And it's like, fuck, were you not listening to anything I was saying? <laughs> so it's if like, if I had a
2: fucking dollar, yeah, oh my god, the, we're well, really good for a girl. I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm just good. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can just be good, and that can just be the thing you say to me. I'm not good in spite of or because of my gender identity or my anatomy or anything like that. Like. Uh Yeah. So like, can I get a hell no? Um, I love that song. And uh, yeah, it's, it's such a universal experience. And that's why it is bullshit that it hasn't been like, that's not a, a, a subject that's been talked about in hardcore or metalcore music, like on a larger platform. So yeah, it's like, of course, I'm gonna write that song. But it wasn't even necessarily, I don't even necessarily like set out to write a song to be like, I'm going to address this problem. I wrote that song because I was driving one day and sitting in traffic and a car full of guys who started fucking harassing me while I'm sitting in traffic and I was livid and I needed to be able to express that through my music. So I wrote that song as a fuck you to every single person who's ever like street harassed somebody. So it's like, I'm not necessarily just being like, I'm writing things based on like my own experience and like because these are emotions I need to get out. And it's like if somebody thinks it's cliche for a woman to need to express why that sucks, then they're part of the fucking problem because they're not treating the actual problem. They're just whining about women whining about it. Like fuck you.
1: Like, I also <laughs> okay. love the the idea of like the like where the two step part is. I was like this <laughs> I was like it's
2: with the cowbell. Yeah. Oh, like yeah.
1: there was just like something about it where it kinda of put a smile on my face and I kinda of wanna be like, I know this isn't funny, but I was like there's just it's It's supposed it's, to, Well
2: It's supposed to vibe like that kind of like snarky, sassy yeah, yeah. um do you i mean you're familiar with every time i die we i definitely wanted that song to have like that obnoxious the new black or werewolf vibe like it's like it's a fun song too it's like the fuck you everyone that every girl has ever wanted to say to a street harasser like that's why i did like the like the funny like these boots are made for stomping lyrics. Like I really wanted to play on those like Southern tropes too with the cowbell and with that. And like, yeah. So it's like everything, everything that I did with that is very intentional and it's like, yeah, it's supposed to be fun and funny. So I do want people to have a good time listening to our music. We talk about a lot of like miserable, terrible things, but like, you know, being able to have a fun "fuck you" song is great. So,
1: <laughs> you, I mean, you kind of talk to how serious the lyrics are, you know, universally in in uh, music.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How, when you started this band, was that always the mindset and the the aim for you lyrically, like that you were going to do that, or was it kind of a very like f- like toes in approach and just kind of figuring out if it if it worked?
2: i wrote to again i wrote i write to my experience and i write to what's going on in the world so like the first i'm trying to to think so the some of the first two songs that i wrote uh one of them was rude awakening which is the first song on the record just about which it's just a song about like hey this is like the only fucking place i can say all this shit so i'm gonna say it um and then one of the other first songs i wrote was uh give him hell kid and that's because um all of the stuff was going down in ferguson um with with michael brown and police brutality was something that we were talking that like the social collective was talking about and like that we were hearing about in the news every day and i just remembered i remember being in a friend's house and I don't remember exactly what had happened, like, with the case, but basically some, I, like, it was the night that, like, shit went down in Ferguson, and I remember my friend's parents, like, bemoaning the fact that, like, there were riots, and they were setting the city on fire, and all I could think was burn it to the ground. I was like, good, good, set things on fire, because now people will watch because now people will pay attention. And that sounds violent and aggressive, but I believe that riot that riots are, a, are an effusion of righteous anger and it's not up to us to tell people how to express those feelings, especially feelings of oppression like that and especially feelings of having to fucking fear for your life every time you walk down the fucking street. Like, I don't blame anybody for setting the streets on fire and that's just like, I, was like, I need a way to write about and talk about all these feelings that I'm having about what's going on. And so that's where, um, it usually just everything I write about usually just has to do with like what's going on and what I'm experiencing around me, whether that's in the news or in my personal life. Um, there's often a lot of things that tie together with both. So,
1: so something I, I, there's a, gentleman that was in a, a touring band and he's very active politically and I've tried to get him on here to discuss politics in relation to being in a touring band, even though he's not in the band anymore. And it just hasn't worked out. So, <laughs> uh it's uh Colin from uh the X the Browning. Oh, okay. Um but so interestingly like I've been trying to find someone I can ask this question to and I think it'll work for you. Um But it's something I've been really wanting to ask someone because I think it is a completely different perspective than most people would really honestly be able to provide. So Mm -hmm. being in a touring band, and I would assume at this point with how long you guys have been doing it, you've been able to tour most of the U.S. at least.
2: Yeah, and I'll be honest with you, most of that was on this anti-flag tour. like. We'd done the east. We did a shit ton of East Coast for about two years because that was where I had contacts and I booked everything for myself. So like, I was just working with what I had. It's like if I don't fucking know someone in California, I can't ask about a show there. So <laughs> true. We uh, so yeah, up until, up until like the signing and like all of that, which we signed in May, but we didn't announce till September. Um, but up until the signing we i booked everything for us myself
1: okay um, so, so the question i have as someone who's and forgive me someone who's not big in politics in mm-hmm. general and especially not really discussing it because it just people can't have typically people can't have just a a conversation it turns into an argument and at that point no one's really Which listening. Is sad it is but i just know that like if You know, just it's not really ever anything that I I want to really typically get into because.
0: Sure.
1: Whereas I want to learn, like I was saying earlier, like I like learning about perspectives. I may I will obviously never have being you know a man who's thirty something. Mm -hmm, like I'm not going to know what it was like to be a 13 year old girl in the music scene or whatever. Like I, I, that's just a perspective I'll never have. And so, in. Being into bands and having recently in the last handful of years traveling the world, traveling the U.S. with my wife and seeing different cultures and so forth, and being from the East Coast initially and, and living here in the Midwest, something I've often wondered is for someone who is interested in politics and, and paying attention to the, the world that they are surrounded by, do you? S- do you, what do you see when you travel like cuz i feel like you get a, a a really interesting glimpse perhaps into how geographical differences, economical differences and so forth geographically like in touring that you get to see these things that also gives you a more informed perspective as opposed cuz you're seeing it firsthand mm-hmm. as you're touring and per- perhaps anyway then and hearing stories from fa- people who are coming to shows and so forth then Someone like myself who's like, well, I'm getting fed something through, you know, my phone or what I see on the newspaper or whatever. Do you think it offers you a completely different perspective than than most? Because you're able to actually see, you know, some of these things firsthand as you're going to these towns, these cities and interacting with these people that most people probably aren't that are trying to engage most people with their political ideas.
2: Um, and I also
1: don't know if I worded that as well as I wanted to, if it makes sense.
2: You're fine. Um, it's interesting because it's like even though we've toured a lot, we're still in something of a bubble. You know the majority of people coming out to metal and hardcore shows tend to lean liberal, tend to lead lean progressive um metal and hardcore are also still incredibly fucking white, so you're still getting a majority of white people um Metal and hardcore tend to be Overwhelmingly male so you're That's a demographic that Like that's pretty much Like yeah like straight white Dudes are gonna end up being Like most of our audience now So I It's almost unfortunate because It's like that is it like I would Love to be encountering more Diversity so as to um, Yeah Better enlighten myself as to The perspectives of people who don't fit that particular mold um now we did get to go like all over on the anti-flag tour but again like we're on tour with anti-flag and stray from the path we're not getting we're not getting like the <laughs> the gun toting <laughs> uh, bible thumping trump loving conservatives at those shows at all because it's literally it basically was like the like the fucking like like anti-Trump tour, (laughs) which is great. Like it was such a, it was, I feel very fortunate and like blessed to have had the experience of my first U S tour being in such a safe environment for me. Um, but I know that like, especially when we branch out and are touring with different bands of who might not share our politics or just might not be open about politics. So they'll just have fans that are more diverse in that realm. Um, I know it's going to, it's going to get interesting. Um, I'm ready for it. I, at every single show that we play, I invite the audience. I say, please come and talk to me. I was like, even if you hate every fucking word I say on this stage, (laughs) let's have a conversation about it. Let's engage with each other. Let's, let's stand face to face and have a talk from one human being to another and share each other with each other, because that's, I think where you where you do get the most change is when people are willing to share their perspectives in a in a respectful like and and face to face like discourse, I think is so important because like one of the problems with the Internet is that it dehumanizes people. And it's so easy to forget that the person on the other side of this, like on the other side of the comment that you just read is a person. Right. You're just seeing this these words and this idea thrown at you. And it's easy to forget that that's coming from a human being with like wants and needs and ambitions and passions and things that they care about. So getting to do that face to face forces us to humanize each other and forces us to face the fact that regardless of our politics and or like anything and like differences of race or religion or sexuality or gender identity like we're all people right. when you have to look into somebody's fucking eyes and recognize that when you're having a conversation it's a lot harder to go oh well fuck you like you suck <laughs> <laughs> like, like so that's the I love that I I love and welcome the opportunity to engage face to face with people who are different than me that's I think so important in that yeah I think that'll end up informing more of my writing. So I hope so, that answered your question.
1: <laughs> uh, no, it did. I mean, it's it's just kind of interesting because I think, you know, touring musicians, especially as you, like, I mean, Colin was in a band that, you know, not only toured the U.S. quite a bit, but then did a lot of international traveling, you know, and obviously can see... You know, with how active he was in in politics Mm -hmm. and so forth and his I mean, granted, he he does lean very like far the one way he does. But the interesting thing is I was like, you you are in a position to see global politics at that point and see how the other like how the world is outside of your little fucking bubble. And that's yeah. a perspective most people aren't gonna get. Like that's the thing that I've enjoyed about traveling in the last couple handful of years. Like in the active traveling sense. Like you know, my wife and I try to find two or three places we go every year and go. Yeah. And it's like you know, like when we went to Myrtle Beach, like we like hit up South and North Carolina, like on a, a long like week. And I was kind of shocked at the blatant racism of Myrtle Beach and and South uh, and oh, Charleston. Yeah, like Just... we went to a bar and there literally was a black face painted there well there was that for sure but there we were at a bar and this bar had a black face mannequin and the shirt and it was wearing a shirt that says i'm the token black guy and i was like whoa and no and there was a black dude sitting right next to me at the bar and didn't seem to give a fuck about it like he was a regular and i was like uh okay and like, like it's it, like to me that was weird and it's like i like, is I, I was i was it is. yeah okay it is weird <laughs> Like, it was, like, one of those things where I was, like, wow, I don't know how to feel about this. But I was, like, but, I mean, there's a dude who should be way more offended than me, and apparently he comes here all the fucking time and doesn't s- seemingly give a shit. So it's, well, like, okay. There's like... also
2: things that you will give a pass to, let slide, yeah. normalize for your own mental health, like, because to make a stink about it, even internally, is to... Is to, to cause internal trauma. So, so, it's like I get it. Like, I mean, I did, like, when I was growing up, oh, my God, that's so much fucking internalized misogyny. It was, it was the fucking worst. I was one of those girls who was like, I'm not like the other girls, like, with the <laughs> implication that other girls are a... that being a girl is a bad thing. Like, ugh. I feel like... I wish I could just take little Lauren and be like no other girls are great you're fucking great like ah, uh. yeah there's a lot of that and then like internalized racism is like also a thing I like it's fucked up it's fucked up <laughs> yeah
1: so something we had talked about before officially recording quote-unquote um mm-hmm. that I'll bring up because you said you wanted to get into it so something I've been kind of wrestling with in the last I'd say maybe like year um is sort of a a mental i don't even know how to because i'm still kind of processing it myself as a whole so i don't really know if i want to call it like a mental blockage or you know mental abuse or whatever uh-huh. so as i was saying earlier you know i was born with a cleft lip and palate and you know the tech the advances that technology has made even like when i had it like from my my uncle and so forth is like just drastic but what i have kind of latched on to recently and why I kind of feel this weird complex of like, you know, this person's better than me and, you know, I'm not normal. And, you know, like I was explaining to my my parents recently, my dad, like, you know, I was talking because, you know, I'm a heavily tattooed person. I was like, you know, I feel more comfortable being heavily tattooed and stared at because at least that's something I can control. And I was like, but I've never felt normal. And then I go, and I realized it was because, you know, growing up, I would go to these doctors and they'd be like, Hey, here's a scale. So when your age you know, should be at, you know, this height and this weight. This is what's normal based on, you know, someone you're in your demographic. And here's you, not normal. And here's all the things you're not going to do, you know, like normal people. And always being compared to everybody else and being told, like, you're you're not the same as everybody else. But I've been thinking a lot about just, like, this weird mental abuse that, like, you know, professional doctors are, like, inflicting Sorry. upon me at, like, a young, like, from <laughs> cognizant othering you. Yeah. And so like, you know, I was talking about that and you were like, oh, that, you know, I want to talk about this thing that it makes me, you know, want to bring up. So go
2: ahead. Yeah. I think that, oh my gosh, there's, I feel like this probably happens to everyone to some degree and like, you never really notice it until like you talk, you like talk about it with people. Right. Um, so when I was growing up, I was told that I, I was told a lot of things about myself, I was, t- which is very interesting being told things about <laughs> yourself. You're like, oh, is that how I am? Okay, tell me more.
1: So you're saying um, like but- in, in the present time or in retroactively, like someone telling you about yourself, like as a kid, like now or both? As
2: a, no, like back
1: bad at bad. the time.
2: Okay. Um, so like, for example, like I was always told as a child that I'm not a math person um, because I liked to write. which is bullshit. (laughs) I'm incredible at math. Um, and I allowed the fact that people like my mother would tell me like, Oh, you're just, you're just not a math person, which is horseshit because it basically trained my brain away from even trying. And it turns out that I'm actually great at math. Um, when I'm not being told that I'm not good at it. So, Weird concept. It's, it's like, yeah, huh? <laughs> Weird concept. yeah, it's like you have to wonder what other things that we're telling like our kids like, oh, you're just not good at that. Like that's you're just not that person yeah. and how much it actually ends up shaping what they are and what they do. Also, for example, um, so I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of five and was prescribed Ritalin. Um, it seemed to be like a big, big
1: thing of people our age. I don't know if it still is. I don't hear about it anymore.
2: Um, I do somewhat, but only because I'm listening, like okay. just cause I care about that as a, as an issue. Um, right. it definitely was over, it was apparently over prescribed oh, yeah. and I know that for me, um, ADHD medication caused a slew of problems in like my teenage years. Um, when I would crash from it, I would apparently present. Um, with symptoms of bipolar disorder, which was something I was diagnosed with at age 16. Um, Spoiler alert, I don't have bipolar disorder because when you took away the ADHD medication, all of my symptoms went away. So yeah, I don't have bipolar disorder. Um, Nothing wrong with having it, but people were very, very eager to prescribe children whose brains are still developing um, with mental illnesses that they may or may not even have or that also and i think that also people forget that the brain is not a static thing and your brain at one age isn't the same brain at another age so you need to keep like you can't just say like oh you're diagnosed with this you are this forever neuroplasticity is a fucking thing and our brains change and grow and develop and like there are a lot of problems with like If you do, if you read about it, there are, you're not really supposed to diagnose like things like bipolar disorder before a person's brain is finished developing in their 20s. um, Because there can be so many other factors that will present as symptoms, especially as a teenager and you're hormonal and kind of all over the place anyway. um, So yeah, I ended up being on a lot of medications for things I didn't really need or have and or could have managed in other ways. Um, And like my, like I see a therapist today and uh, she, we were talking, I don't know how we got onto ADHD. And uh, she's like, I've been thinking about this a lot. She's like, for someone with quote unquote ADHD, you are the most focused, most regimented person. (laughs) Like she's like, I'm pretty sure that you don't actually have ADHD. Um, We actually think that a lot of my like symptoms were a result of trauma and um, I'm also adopted. So that can, yeah, that can do a lot of things, especially when you're a kid, because there's certain hormones that aren't present in your body because you aren't breastfeeding like a normal, like like a child would, your body isn't releasing the hormones that it would from being cuddled by your biological mother. Like there's a lot of things that happen in very, very, very early like babyhood um, that don't happen with people when they are adopted as like, especially at a very early age. Um, And uh, my therapist believes that a lot of my, my symptoms and problems are, are rooted in some of that, which makes a lot of sense to me. But yeah, I got—I definitely got slapped with a lot of diagnoses for a lot of things that I don't have, and it's been therapists have confirmed that I don't fucking have some of those, some of these things. Like since then, but like, you spend your whole life thinking, "Oh, I'm this way, therefore I can't do X, Y, Z, or therefore I'm not like everyone these people. else. Yeah. Exactly, and it, it it others you, and I always felt I always felt different than other people because oh. I was the one with ADHD or I was like, I had a lot of adults telling me who I was as opposed to just letting me be who I was. And I think that that actually, that probably happens to a lot of people like us. Um, But I mean, it's like you, I have, I can't really be mad because it's like, you know, as an adult now, which that's fucking hilarious. (laughs) uh, Like you see how easy it is to want to, put a label on things um so as to feel like you can make sense of your world so i can understand that in having a child you would want to be able to be like oh they behave this way because this right without really taking into account how deciding that this is the reason right. can shape all these other trickle down like factors well it's but yeah i feel like that's probably happened to a lot of us
1: a friend of mine was talking about how they were adopted in some of the things that they had gone through as a, as a result of just, you know, kind of coming to grips with all of that. Mm -hmm. And so in a conversation we had had at one point, granted over, over drinks. (laughs) So it always makes things a little bit more like free flowing where you're not like guarded. And I remember being like, you know, it's kind of interesting because like a lot of the things that you feel as far as like not necessarily feeling wanted or or kind of like kind of questioning a, a bigger, you know, having more questions than answers to things. I go, mm-hmm. you know, like what's really interesting from my perspective is like I grew up, you know, had a few birth defects, basically told I wasn't, you know, I had a heart murmur, and was told I wasn't probably gonna live. Then I had a brother who was born just fine, mm-hmm. but died, you know, of sudden infant death syndrome. And so it's like, you know, I always have had this weird not guilt or shame per se, but this thing where I've always been like I had all these problems and I lived, like, why? And then it's like, why did, you know, the, my brother who had nothing wrong, you know, he passed away and there's there's nothing there. to so then even thinking about like the mental ramifications of like, you know, my parents were at the time, you know, my brother and I, oddly enough, were born on the same day, two years apart. Um, and so thinking about how my parents were 20, would have been 26 at the time. And it's like, you know, you lose a child and then, you know, like, because there's, there's really nothing known about, Sids, how it happens, yeah. um, and so it's one of those things. Like you know, thinking about just you know, you put your child down and and then you you know go and they're not alive anymore. So then even the ramifications of like okay, like now you obviously have to call like an ambulance and all that kind of stuff. And then police are like, so what did you do? And things yeah. like that. And it's like you're you're a young couple who had one child who's going through all of these things and these medical bills stacking up and then this other tragedy happens and then you know you have police coming in and be like what did you do and then Pick maybe the like they would say they would you. separate yeah. them and be like okay like did, did the you know to my dad like or from my mom like you know does he hit them or anything like that is he abusive To or then like my mom like does you know just weird shit where it's like you think about all these things and it's like you know it's it's I kinda am like then I start over analyzing it's like, okay, like it's the eighty the you know, the end of the eighties, that we don't have the internet, we don't have technology, we don't know a lot of these things, like just kinda unpacking it all and it's like, well, no wonder like we kinda like everyone has their own thing, but it's like it's kinda weird that someone who went through you know, and like being, you know, given up for adoption. That, like, you know, someone who went through that, and me, like, having lost, and the tragedies I kind of endured as a kid, and growing up with these things. We have a lot of the similar questions, even though we went through completely different experiences. And it's it's really interesting, like, you know, when you when you sit down and talk to people, like, you guys can be so different and have such different upbringings and and so and different experiences, but how oddly familiar everything kind of becomes when you start breaking the insecurities that you're not wanting to present to people and be like, wow, we have so much in common. If we just kind of break all the bullshit down.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's the human experience. There's a reason why there's so many like shared, there's so many like recurring themes in music and art. It's because like there, there are these, these things and ideas that tie us all together as people, like trauma and suffering and, you know, and like positive things too. But like, they're all rooted somewhere uh, what's just different is the roots but they manifest in similar ways which is interesting
1: so kind of getting out of bummerville right there (laughs) no worries Um, something a little bit something different that I I don't really think I've seen you talk about is uh, your love of reptiles yeah I mean we talked about it a little bit there when you were discussing you sharp tooth and and the representations and and so forth Um, but I I don't know if people actually know that that is your profession.
2: Yes. And it's what you went to uh, school for. Yeah. I, uh, so I have a degree in zoology. It's right behind me. Is this on, <laughs> this is going to be on YouTube, right?
1: Yeah, I can. Well, it's, it's blurry. So, but yes, for those who will only listen to it, go to the YouTube channel and you can see this.
2: You can see my degree behind me. And also behind me are multiple enclosures with creatures in them. Um, so
1: and then I saw yeah, a cat I, running around too in the background at one point.
2: Oh no, that's my dog. I don't have a cat. Oh, oh, that's right. We I talked about cats. that. Like I, I will aggressively tell you I don't have a fucking cat. Yeah, You just did. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, I'm very allergic to cats, and the only cats I like are the bald ones. They're, I I, I want really to touch,
1: like touch one, but I'm also like I feel like I'd be very like weird. Not be like you feel like a nutsack.
2: It does, Does but that's why it's fun. Like, he doesn't want to play with the nuts set. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Joking, not joking. Um, Yeah, no, I love the hairless cats, um, but they are the only cats that I love
1: (laughs) for obvious reasons. (laughs) But yeah,
2: I am a thousand percent a dog person. But yeah, I uh, I've always loved reptiles. I uh, I had reptiles as a kid. Like that was the thing that I like wanted and liked. Like, like other kids were like. I want a pet cat. I'm like, I want geckos and I want to breed them because that's a normal seven year old's hobby. Uh, So yeah, I uh, went to college for zoology because I figured I'd have a better time getting a job in that field than I would in musical theater. Um, So I did that i worked in our school's herpetology lab i did research on box turtles um i was in charge of taking care of the reptiles in the lab for a while and i interned at the national aquarium in baltimore i worked there for a while and then now the place that i work is like it's like a small zoo meets a nature center meets an educational facility and i helped Care for the animals there. We do a lot of training with the animals there too, which is super cool. So I get to train crocodiles, which is dope. And my main job is I travel around to schools and libraries and do like after-school programs and assemblies with like the animals. So I get to teach, which is really fun, um, for the most part. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I went into it. Um, when I first started working at this place, I was like. I'll do like the programs or birthday parties or whatever, but I don't fuck with kids. Like kids is not, I don't like kids. Actually, I would have told you that I fucking hate kids. Um, but I eventually realized that, Oh yeah, kids are just people. So they're just diverse. Like people are. So when you just treat them like people, then it's actually a similar experience, just like everyone else. Some kids are fucking awesome and really cool to hang out with and fun to be around. And some are fucking little assholes, just like the rest of humanity. So the good ones usually outweigh the bad ones. And it's actually really fun getting to feel like you're shaping people's perspectives on things that are actually really typically misunderstood, which is also kind of like what I do with shark So it all makes sense. It all <laughs> goes back into each other. <laughs> I get on stage and tell people why they should care about things that they've never cared about before. <laughs> so
1: what uh I mean I'm not super well-versed in, in herpetology or uh, reptiles. I told you my, like, nightmare. I had, I had a reoccurring nightmare. for And I'll just divulge it here so I'm not <laughs> like, like, being like, I had a weird nightmare I shared with you and uh, not tell anyone. <laughs> uh, oddly enough, I'm not super big on reptiles and, and things like that. Um, I mean, like, I have a, a weird fascination with, like, fish. And, and, like, typically we always go to aquariums every traveling thing we do. Um, actually my wife, legitimately my wife, when I told her I was talking to you, uh, and I told her that you were, when we were uh, going back and forth and talking about herpetology and reptiles and all that kind of stuff. Um, so when we were in Vegas, we went to the, the shitty aquarium they have out there and, uh, now this tickled me beyond belief. Uh, when we got around a corner. There's a bunch of little kids and, you know, parents taking photos around this crocodile uh but the croc had a boner and it was like at head level so like i was just like i can't wait for everyone to like get their photos put them on facebook and all this shit and they would be like your child's got a croc boner right next to its left ear oh and, my god uh, i took photos of it i thought it was funny uh Holy typically shit. when i talk about my trip to vegas the when uh we were out there i always talk about how i saw a croc boner and i thought it was great that all these little kids had photos of croc boners behind them that's amazing um but yeah, so I had this like weird thing because I'm not big on reptiles. Um, that I had like a weird infestation of like iguanas or some kind of lizards, and they would like literally like pot like pile on in like droves above like doors and shit, to where they were like kind of like dripping off of each other because there was just so many of them. But they yeah. were overtaking my whole house, and it freaked me out. And I would be like, I just need to get the fuck out of here. And like I would like have to kind of touch one sometimes to get through a door, and it grossed me out. And, uh, yeah, so that was like a weird nightmare, like legitimately a nightmare where I'd wake up and be like, whoa, and be like grossed out. But I figured it's better than the one I usually have, which is a reoccurring like car crash, like where I'm always in the passenger seat, I'm always in the passenger seat, and then there's no one driving. I think it's because I'm always like a passenger. Typically, I don't drive a whole lot or with people. So I always just assume it's because I'm always like in the passenger seat with people and feeling helpless and whatever. And I always wake up just as, uh, the accident's about to happen. So, yeah. so it's always very weird. Um, there's probably something there to unravel, I'm sure.
2: <laughs> probably.
1: <laughs> Maybe I'll look into that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it was interesting, you know, not many people get to actually do what they're passionate about as their job, and let alone when they go to school for it, typically the passion gets beaten out of them. Yeah. yeah so.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I feel very fortunate in that I get like in both – sides in my career I get to do I get to do what I love and I mean it's like any job like there's there's things about it that are fucking awesome and then there's things about it that are real pain in the ass because it's it's any job and you're working with people and like there's always going to be I mean there's the bureaucracy of all jobs um which can be frustrating in any environment but yeah I feel very lucky that like I yeah I get to go into work and play with animals that I love and get to tell people about them which is really exciting
1: <laughs> um kind of kind of wrapping this up so you're getting ready to go out on tour with census fail yes it'll actually bring you through here so i'll actually get to see you guys
2: Heck yeah. actually yeah, we're going somewhere fuck, where fuck there that. are people I
0: have, to, so...
1: I, have to, I have to i have to let me rephrase that because I, I my grandmother is a stickler for not not saying you guys as a, as a general blanket statement so let me rephrase that you all are coming around on tour uh and playing with census fail and you're actually going to be coming around here so i'm excited yeah. to see see you all for the first time and see uh see this the room shift happen perhaps
2: <laughs> i'm excited too i uh where is it? so you said that you live do you live in, near michigan
1: Detroit? Uh, Michi- so
2: you live in michigan okay
1: yep, that's what I grand thought. rapids so you're going to be playing rapids. at the intersection.
2: Beautiful. We uh yeah, this is gonna be a really interesting tour because we're going out of the country for the first time, so we are officially international, which is Ooh. very exciting. You got your passports and, already,
1: huh? You got your passports ready for your stamps or whatever we the hell we do our with passports.
2: those. You want to know what's funny? So all of us have our passports because uh, last winter I decided to go on a cruise and bring my band, <laughs> just because I wanted to. <laughs> So, everybody had to get their passports. That was actually before Connor joined, but he already had a passport, um, which we are doing again at the end of April. We are going out for a week um, on another cruise. So, Sharp Cruise number two, 2018 is going to be Litsky. Uh, we are apparently the bougiest hardcore band on the fucking planet. Ah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really important to us to get to like spend like time together just as like just as a family and to right. just have fun as opposed to like being touring, which can be sometimes stressful and like, you know, like not everyone is going to get along every single day of the tour. Like for the most part, we get along fantastically, especially compared to what I've heard about other bands. Like apparently we we like love each other a weird amount, which is fine. I do a lot of things a weird amount. So (laughs) mostly involving loving people. (laughs) So yeah, we're, we're so excited for, for this census fail run. It was kind of unexpected and really thrilling. And it's going to be weird because it's like census fail who does like that, who does like the fucking post-punk pop punk thing. Uh, Then there's us and we're like a fucking straight up hardcore band and then the opener is someone called Little Lotus, and they are a SoundCloud rapper. Like a sad boy SoundCloud rapper. So like little was a little peep that died recently? I have no idea. No. That's okay. not a it isn't that's not a world that I'm super familiar with. Um You're gonna be. <laughs> I'm going to be. So maybe and you can get a on, maybe a, very get on close, a track. A close friend of mine who lives in Dallas who knows him says that uh, the vetted them and they were like yeah little lotus is awesome you guys are gonna love each other so i'm like i'm excited i'm excited to make new friends and stoked to get to hang out with census fail for a couple of weeks so that's fucking nuts it's gonna be interesting
1: to see steve drumming for them now
2: steve if for census fail steve i yeah uh, so i just Colorado. saw them the other day. Huh? is he i yeah. didn't know yep i uh so they i don't know how it happened but Steve and I became friends on Instagram and have, like, corresponded a tiny bit. Um, I think it was just, like, he posted something about the tour, and I was like, sick! And then we just started talking a little bit. And super nice. I got to see um, them on their current tour. They just came through Baltimore a couple days ago. Mm -hmm. So I got to see that. And, I mean, they were fucking sick. And I was excited because... But he talks before his songs, and that's something I do. I'm like, okay, good. people won't be as annoyed by me doing it. yay <laughs> I don't shut the fuck up <laughs> so, oh.
1: so I yeah. think that'll be an interesting tour, and then speaking of making new friends, warp tour, you already talked about that. I very mean the last warp tour, and you you guys are so on the whole fucking thing
2: warp tour and I'm with very... et and with et
1: who uh. We're stoked that you're on the whole thing,
2: which I cried. Okay, so <laughs> let me tell you the whole story. I think of how that went down. So I went to go see uh, them on their current tour with Motionless and White, and just I just last
1: this past Friday.
2: Uh, yeah. So I went to the I went to the New York date and the New Jersey date. Um, a close friend of mine is on the tour, so I was going to be spending time with him, and. We were at the New York show and Etat had just finished playing and me and him are walking back to the green rooms just to hang out. And we ran into Jordan on the stairs and I, you know, was just like, yo, Jordan, stoked to play Warped Tour with you. (laughs) He like stops and he turns and he like kind of like gives me this look like, who is this person? Like, and he's like, wait, who are you? And, I like, getting to reach out my hand and say, I'm Lauren Cashin. I'm the vocalist of Sharp Tooth. We're on, we're on one of the mutant stages for the entire summer. And uh, he, like, getting to shake his hand, like, and introduce myself as, like, a peer to right. him was, like, afterwards I literally, like, I walked away and I was like, I need a minute <laughs> because that was a very big deal for me. That band is one of my biggest influences they are the band that got me into hardcore and into the music scene um i have hot damn tattooed inside my mouth i guess this is a video so here you go it says hot damn that actually held pretty well yeah uh, i've had it for like like seven or eight years i've had it for yeah like seven years and i haven't had to get it touched up yet
1: i'm the weirdo that has the uh, portrait of keith on his leg
2: Oh, you have a portrait of Keith on your leg? That's amazing. Well it's actually on my thigh. So That's amazing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah. So I'm I'm that person with that, that uh go big or go home E tid tattoo. That's great.
2: Yeah, yeah I still feel so weird about a, it, but whatever. <laughs> no worries. I mean like yeah, it's whatever. I'm probably getting lyrics on my arms at some point from the marvelous slut so that's i don't think in pictures i think in words i'm a lyricist so all of my tattoos tend to be word centric like that's just the way that i or to or harken back towards so it's that's just the way that my brain works um but yeah like the 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 whole like every time i die like tweeting at us thing i so after that show um I stayed with some friends in New York that night and I woke up the next day to my guitarist sent like screenshotted that to me and sent it to me. And I woke up and read it and like just started crying because <laughs> I cry in response to everything. I'm mean, <laughs> Uh like happy crying, sad crying. If you see anything that I ever, if anybody is really nice to me in the group, my response is always crying. <laughs> and I always tell everyone too cause fuck it. Normalized tears. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's, so, that's like, your new band and merch. And that needs like, to be on a show. Uh, what's wrong? And I'm like... <laughs> <"They care." laughs>
1: I so. did the same thing the other day. I had like a, a like, oh my god moment. I uh, was like, I posted an episode I did with uh, Craig Owens from X-Giotos. X- and uh, it was doing really good, but like he ended up sharing it and he was like really super awesome about it and really enjoyed the conversation which is typically i don't really get the feedback from the person so it was really interesting and uh then i kind of got some people who were like fuck this kid like uh, Craig should have bit off bit his mouth like bit his fucking head off and just another egocentric dude who like wants to talk to about himself and I was like I mean it's a podcast like you kind of got to talk about yourself sort of and then I was yeah. like dude if you only realize like I've been struggling with like the idea like how much of myself to interject and how honest do I want to be about like my own shit but then I was like but if you're gonna listen to me talk to someone for an hour like I feel like you kind of need to know like things that I've learned or done or whatever so you're not you realize like I'm not just like pulling shit out of my ass. And so I was like, all right, well, that sucks. And I was kind of getting
2: upset, like taking it personally. And I was like. Oh, don't read comments on anything ever. uh, uh, Because I don't read comments on anything ever. Unless it's on like my personal page or on the etid group. I don't read comments. Because the people who. Because generally, if you watch like something on the Internet and you're like, oh, that was neat. That was cool. Like you enjoyed it. Very rarely does anybody who enjoys something take the time to go, I'm going to write about how much I enjoyed this. Because that's not, it's not an aggressive, it's not an... So far, though, Enjoyment and pleasure is a very personal thing. Yeah. But when you don't like something, yeah. you're like mad at it. You're like, hey, I didn't like this. Yeah. Like, or fuck that. Like, when you're angry, that's a more explosive emotion as opposed to an in internal experience. So, comments are going to be overwhelmingly negative regardless of how good or bad something is, period. Just because people are more likely to say when they don't like something right. than just say when they do. Because like, right. if you like it, you just liked it. You enjoyed it and you moved on with your life.
1: The interesting like, thing, though, is like so far, especially YouTube... I've only gotten positive. Like, I, I've not gotten anything bad. So, like, it was – it really was, like –
0: very what, nice for what, you. I know. And <laughs> that,
1: yeah. So, like, when I got bad shit, I was, like, oh, like, I knew it was going to happen. But, like – and I I really did take it personally. So then, like, I, I was listening to Ice-T's podcast that he doesn't really do anymore. But he always just, like, has, like, da- like, what I call, like, daily game. Like, where he just, like, says something that's so, like, fucking profound that you're just, like, fuck that. Yeah, like, I'm inspired now. And so I tweeted that I was, like, you know, like, I tried to, like, gleam, like, something – that I could turn the bad into a positive and learn from it. And I was like, you know, I just got, I want to like, and I tweeted at Ice-T, I was like, I want to like, you know, I was listening to Ice-T's podcast and like, you know, said something about like haters and, you know, that they basically paraphrasing that like, you know, haters only hate on people who are doing something they they can't or aren't, aren't willing to do. And I go, and so like at that point, like, you know, that's just gotta be my takeaway to which Ice-T actually tweeted to me He was like, haters only hate up. They don't hate on anyone below them. And I was like – and my phone blew the fuck up with people retweeting and, like, commenting. And I was like, the fact Ice-T, like, tweeted at me, not, like, some – just, like, a comment like where it's, like –
2: That's incredible. I was
1: like, holy fuck. And, like, so I've been playing this long game, like, for the last – I said in the beginning of the year, like, I'm going to try to get him on my podcast somehow. And, like, he likes all my tweets, like, when I do that. Like, within a couple of minutes of me tweeting it, he'll – ice tea like this so i'm like all right so this is the first reply i've gotten this is the first reply i've gotten so i'm like you could say things are getting serious now (laughs) hi
2: ice (laughs) tea i know
1: so um so I, i i love when people like feel good so when i saw you guys like get the thing and you're like oh my god and i'm like i just had that moment myself where i'm like oh my god Ah, and it's, yeah. it just feels good to feel excited about something when in a world where people are so quick to like sh- be shitty about something like that.
2: Yeah, it it is wonderful feeling acknowledged in a positive way. Like that that is infinitely meaningful to me. Um so yeah, when when people do say nice things or reach out or especially yeah, like people that we really look up to um make us feel included or acknowledge us. It's yeah, it's really important. So I mean I try to do that to even like kids who fucking message me on like Instagram or whatever and just want to say hi like I I respond to everything just cuz I'm like I want you to feel validated and like <laughs> like welcome too so
1: so feeling so continuing on with the the feeling welcomed and and appreciated where can everyone follow you and and plug your upcoming tour so people can come give you words of encouragement and praise and and heap it upon oh. you.
0: And buy lots of your merch so you You are e- native. I'm going <laughs> to fucking read it anyway so you can eat a whole dick.
2: Um
1: for a yeah. dollar or a million? Let's play this game. How I'll, much you how much are you willing to play, eat a dick for? <laughs> to
2: eat a dick for, not suck a dick. Eat it. Eat a dick. Arguably less fun. Depending on what you're into. Um but yeah, so you can find us. I mean, we're on our music is on every music platform. So Spotify, I like Apple Music, iTunes, you name it, YouTube, we're on there. Um we've got like we have obviously a Facebook. Or if you literally look up Sharptooth, we're the Sharp Tooth. So the Sharp Tooth, ooh. Well, no, we're just, well, it's like, Not. there's, okay, so there's, like, another sharp tooth, but I think there's, like, a space in their name, and, like, I think they're getting a cease and desist soon, so. Ooh. Goodbye! Um. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, we're on, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, I don't, I don't have a Twitter, but, like, you can also, like, follow me on Instagram, too. Our Instagram is sharp, is, like, at md. And then my Instagram is at Cash and Claws, K-A-S-H-A-N-C-L-A-W-S. And I talk to everybody and like making friends. So and then my friend. The
1: <laughs> other thing I like to do is end these with a song. So what would you like me to end it to? And maybe a quick story about it.
2: Oh, is it one of our songs or just any song?
1: As long as I can find it on YouTube, typically. that's That's my new fun answer. If I can find it on YouTube.
2: Play something by the Wiggles. Don't do that. Um, play. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, play Clever Girl, uh, which is the title track off of our full length album called Clever Girl. Yes, it is a Jurassic Park reference. Yes, that's why there's velociraptors on everything. And no, if you see in Hot Topic a shirt that just says Clever Girl on it, it's not a sharp tooth merge. <laughs> I just <laughs> desist. We've, oh my God, find a dollar for every person who like found like an actual piece of like Jurassic Park merch is like, is this a sharp tooth that we're like, no, it's our thing is a reference. <laughs> like, man, there's a lot of kids who haven't seen this movie. Shit, I feel old. Anyway, <laughs> clever girl, roar. <laughs>
1: awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time. And uh... Thank
2: you. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun.
1: Yeah, I... I'm glad it went all over the place, actually. I know some, too, people, sure so some people I'm sure nice some people are probably gonna be to like, What the fuck was this? <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to read the comments on this and get really bummed out.
2: <laughs> sick. I <laughs> can't wait that you will get terrible comments because I'm a woman, and people hate us doing anything. so
1: well, it's, it's it's interesting. I actually have been trying like sadly, I feel like you know there's not a lot of women on podcasts and a lot of different things, so like it's something I actively try to do, and a lot of times like kind like i was saying earlier like with the the person out of out of portland i get a lot of like what do you do and what are you trying like it's almost like like an arm's length like what what do you want from me and it's like i want to engage in an interesting conversation with you like yeah. <laughs> i know there's we probably have
2: reasons for being suspicious oh, for sure like, for sure people aren't always kind to us and so, uh...
1: so hopefully this wasn't too bad and, and it wasn't you know the questions maybe you've been asked a million times I thought it was great, and I had a great time. Cool. Well, maybe you'll be one of the handful of people who actually shares these things that we do. (laughs)
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll share anything where I'm talking about how much money you need to pay me for me to drink my own urine. So that's where we started, (laughs) and that's where we finish.
1: All right. Number (laughs) one, not a number two. Enjoy the rest of your evening. (laughs) Thanks again. You too. So that was my chat with Laura Cashin of Sharptooth. As I said, we kind of went a little all over the place. Uh, It was really fun and kind of a different chat for me. Uh, Something, like I said, I've taken into this approach, kind of this loose, kind of meandering approach to the podcast, and I've applied it to a few of the other episodes that I've done since then. Uh, More recently, actually, with Mike, a.k.a. Scuzz, of uh, Extinction AD and Light the Torch uh, that I did last night as of the time I'm recording this. Sometimes I think when you do some of these episodes and you do a lot of them in a short amount of time, you're kind of able to build some momentum. You know, I'm kind of glad that Lauren was willing to go down that journey with me of just being very open to anything and everything. But Lauren couldn't, again, couldn't have been nicer. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing the band uh, when they come through here in town. The Census Fail Tour starts May 13th. There are a couple of uh, festival dates at Census Fail is playing that Sharptooth is not on. Uh, so if you go to Sharptooth's uh, socials, uh, you'll see the tour date listing, but basically it goes from May 13th to May 31st. Uh, so if they are coming near you on this census field tour, go get a up close and personal experience with the band before you see them on warp Tour. Uh, they are on the entire warp Tour this year. They're getting to play the last warp Tour. And as you heard Lauren and I talking uh, a little eat there toward the end. Uh, obviously a band that they are definitely looking forward to playing with. I'm really happy to see them. You know, get the opportunity to play the Last Warp tour. Get to play with a lot of great bands. I know I will be going to at least a date of the tour, um, and maybe I'll get to do another chat with Lauren or some of the other dudes in the band. But if you would like to follow the band and what they are doing. Uh, Simply enough, actually, you can just follow them on their website. Go to sharptoothband.com, and that has a link to everything. You can buy their new album, Clever Girl, out now via Pure Noise Records. Uh, You can get the vinyl for it. You can get uh, a little bit of merch that they currently have, as well as physical CDs and an LP. Uh, They have a really great-looking vinyl. It's on like an oxblood, black kind of split-color Uh, deal Uh, looks really great i might be picking one up myself if you would like to follow the band across their socials very easily enough you can do such on facebook instagram and twitter at sharptooth md uh if you would like to follow lauren she is not on twitter Uh, her instagram handle is cash and claws it's cash and as in her last name k-a-s-h-a-n-c-l-a-w-s you can see the random going ons that she is uh posting about uh photos of her lizards and so forth Uh, (laughs) may not be for everyone, as I told you, the random nightmare I was having leading up to our conversation, Uh, but yeah, um, like I said, great band, and I definitely think this is going to be one of those bands, bands, uh, especially once Warped Tour is done, I think you're going to see a lot of bands talking about Sharp Tooth, and how they are the band that they are enjoying seeing, going to see, want to see, uh, and will continue to support from there on, so do the same. Be ahead of the trend, know about this band, follow them on their socials, follow Lauren on uh Instagram. So I mean, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what this next year does for the band between the census field tour and this it's warped tour run. Uh and hopefully we'll be seeing a lot more of them uh, hitting the road. As far as following other people, uh, if you would like to follow MoshPitNation.com, you can do such at MoshPitNation.com, simply enough. Uh, follow them on Facebook at MoshPitNation, West, capital M-I. Uh, Twitter and Instagram are simply MoshPitNation. If you would like to follow me, you can do such on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Johnson Title Podcast. Tweet at me at Johnson Title Pod, and you can email me at Johnson Title Pod at gmail.com. And pretty soon... Hint, hint. Uh, There's a lot of stuff, actually, that I'm working on rolling out. A little bit of a a, a rebrand of sorts. And uh, there's going to be a website. Yeah, I I got some things a brewing, So, very soon, you can head uh, to... I'm not going to give it away just yet. But just know, there is a website coming. There will be a lot of extra stuff that I will be doing and rolling out here. Uh, So, a lot of things happening over here at the podcast... But regardless of all that, uh, let's get out of this episode, and we always end these episodes with a song, and as you heard Lauren pick, she wanted me to use Clever Girl, and I think it's a good introduction to the band, so if you're not really familiar with with this band, or kind of the message that Lauren puts in her music, I think this is a great introduction to that. So, without further ado, this is Clever Girl by Sharptooth. Uh, If you like what you hear, again, uh, the album Clever Girl is out now via Pure Noise Records. Head over to sharptoothband.com, and you can uh, pick up this record. Support them. Thanks again, and uh, I will talk to you guys next week.